0: Hello to all my readers and listeners. Once again, this is Karen Hunt, a.k.a. K.H. Majek, reporting to you from a kind of a stormy uh, Phoenix where we have monsoon season, which is pretty exciting. So in in my substack storehouse, I have 211 drafts of essays I've been working on, and this one has been at the top of the list for a while. So I'm happy to have finally finished it. But before I get into it, once again, I would like to remind all of my readers and listeners that Break Free with Karen Hunt is a reader-supported publication. To receive new posts and support my work, please consider becoming a free or especially a paid subscriber so I can continue this important work. One time or recurring donations can also be made at Coffee, and there are links at the top of this essay. This is called Arctic Wars World War III's newest battlefield. And at the top of the essay, I have a picture of uh, Vladimir Putin and Sorry, old Joe Biden facing off with the Arctic in the background, Vladimir Putin's Russia and the United States under President Biden are among nine nations squaring off for control of the Arctic, where fast rising temperatures could make the now ice covered region ship navigable in this each summer as soon as 2040. And I have a quote from Canadian historian and diplomat Hugh Kinley's side from 1949. What the Asian Sea was to classical antiquity, what the Mediterranean was to the Roman world, what the Atlantic Ocean was to the expanding of Europe of Renaissance days, the Arctic Ocean is becoming to the world of aircraft and atomic power. In May of 2022, President Vladimir Putin warned that Russia was will knock out the teeth of any foreign adversary that challenges its sovereignty over any territory it claims. He might not have mentioned the Arctic specifically, but it's no secret Russia ha, is amassing a formidable array of military weapons in the region. Including the Poseidon 2M39, a stealth, nuclear-powered torpedo dubbed the "super weapon," according to World Crunch, since 2014, Russia has built at least 475 military facilities along its northern border, and has started to actively develop the port of Severomorsk in the Barents Sea above the Arctic Circle, the main base of the country's northern fleet, and the port of Vlad. Vladivostok. Russia has also tested specialized hypersonic cruise missiles and nuclear-powered underwater drones in the Arctic. The country's northern fleet, which consists of nuclear submarines, battleships, landing craft, icebreakers, and support ships, has been significantly strengthened over the past decade and has become the leading power in the north, according to NATO's 2017 Arctic strategy. Russian activity has sparked an arms race among other Arctic states. Both Canada and Norway have recently begun to rearm and conduct more frequent military exercises in the region. Recently, Russia's Defense Minister, Sergei Shoigu, visited the Arctic nuclear testing facility at Novaya Zemlya. The central training ground was the site of more than 130 nuclear weapons tests from 1954 until 1990. It is where Soviet scientists detonated the thermonuclear Tsar Bomba in 1961, the largest nuclear weapon ever tested. Moscow has concentrated a significant part of its nuclear retaliatory capability on the Kola Peninsula a remote stretch of land abutting northern Nor- Norway the central training ground is now used for carrying out for the carrying out of tests of advanced samples of weapons and military equipment the russian defense ministry statement said without specifying further it's interesting that in mid-June, Putin said tactical nuclear weapons had been moved to Belarus. The mutinous Wagner group has recently been exiled to Belarus. It remains to be seen if this was a false flag, a way for Russia to build up its armies against Poland without seeming to. And I've got some pictures of Wagner mercenaries, as well as a photograph of Wagner leader Yevgeny Prz- Prigozhin, who has always been considered a close ally of Putin. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, tensions have escalated rapidly over nuclear threats. In February 2023, Putin suspended Russia's participation in the New START Treaty, which puts limits on Moscow's and Washington's nuclear arsenals. The U.S. and NATO had called for the right to inspect Russia's nuclear facilities, a request that Putin described as a theater of the absurd. They want to inflict a strategic defeat on us and try to get to our nuclear facilities at the same time, he said that. In 2022, the White House vowed to enhance U.S. military presence in the Arctic, increasing exercises with partner countries to deter aggression in the Arctic, especially from Russia. In that same year, roughly roughly 30,000 NATO soldiers descended on an area above the Arctic Circle to carry out the biannual exercise cold response, where Allied forces conduct multinational joint exercises with a high-intensity combat scenario in demanding winter conditions. The Finnmark region of Norway and adjacent Russian territory have become one of the most likely battlegrounds for the first use of nuclear weapons in any future NATO-Russian conflict. This is because much of Moscow's nuclear retaliatory capability is concentrated on the Kola Peninsula, which abuts northern Norway. According to According to Rebecca Koffler, an intelligence analyst and author, of Putin's playbook, pl- uh, and author of Putin's Playbook, Russia's Secret Plan to Defeat America, the distance between Russia and NATO countries in the Arctic has been reduced by about 100 miles, and everyone is posturing for dominance. The U.S. Army says we're going to dominate the region, but the Russians have their own strategy. They're screaming that they're going to be the only non-NATO country in the Arctic group. And China has joined the fight. They're trying to tap into the Arctic as a major shipping route. Like the Suez Canal of old, whoever controls the route will control an essential artery of the reshaped capitalist world economy. And like the Suez, the Great Power Scramble is turning into a growing military presence that threatens future conflict while claiming va- while claiming vowing to reduce while claiming to va- while while claiming sorry while claiming to reduce greenhouse emissions the global shipping industry is responsible for over a billion tons of greenhouse gas emissions each year about 3% of the world's total this will only increase that amount the arctic 3 million square miles of eternal frost is at last revealing its treasures to a greedy world President Biden warned that the climate change could generate potential conflict in terms of dominating the Arctic. Indeed, climate change has become the convenient excuse for everything from plagues to wars. Whether or not you believe climate change is the fault of man's greenhouse emissions or a naturally occurring phenomenon, the fact is that Arctic ice is melting. Figures from the U.S. space agency NASA suggest the loss of the minimum Arctic sea ice extent is in the region of 13.1% per decade based on a 1981 to, to 2010 average. We hear repeatedly how bad this is for the environment and how countries must come together to protect the delicately balanced Arctic ecosystem. What we never hear is how the last thing the powerful elites who control those countries really want to stop, the, the, the last thing, The powerful elites who control those countries really want to do is to stop the ice from melting. While plebeians are lectured on carbon footprint and how everyone must do their part to preserve the planet, the Arctic states of Canada, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, Russia, Sweden, and the United States and China, a self-proclaimed near-Arctic state, are engaged in a scramble for the Arctic and the riches that the melting ice is uncovering. Russia has always considered this vast frozen land to be its domain, and nations had an understanding that conflict there was off limits, until now. Although shipping, mining, drilling, and fishing rights have been established along the Arctic coastal waterways for each country, none have been set for the wider Arctic, its wide open territory that in reality, despite Russia's claims, no one actually owns. is led to bitter disputes in the past that will only escalate as the treasures beneath the ice become more accessible, opening up what is being called the new Arctic Silk Road. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, the Arctic is estimated to harbor over 90 billion barrels of oil reserves, 30% of the world's untapped natural gas, and around $1 trillion worth of rare earth minerals, ranging from gold and silver to beryllium, cadmium, and lithium, all in great demand due to the explosive growth of personal electronics and electric battery cars. Thawing Ice has also opened trans-Arctic shipping routes, including the Northern Sea Route, the Northern Passage. The Northern Sea Route, for example, decreases transit time from Europe to Asia by nearly 40%. Russia and China, the two great power rivals of the U.S., are quickly moving to positions of advantage in the Arctic to exploit growing economic and security opportunities. Today is a pivotal moment that is going to reshape the energy market and the supply chain, said Rebecca Koffler, an an intelligence analyst and author of Putin's playbook, Russia's Secret Plan to Defeat America. The Arctic is going to be the future battlefield for economic dominance and possession of natural resources. The United States cannot stand to see Russia gaining the advantage in the Arctic more than anything else. The war in Ukraine has been a way to break Russia and seize the upper hand in the Arctic. But that is something 99% of Americans will never read about in their news feeds, nor are the complex issues surrounding it something they are interested in exploring, since it takes longer than a couple of minutes to do so. You can see from the map below how Russia's coastline dominates the Arctic. This alone should prove its rights, but now those rights must be tested in harsh ways that threaten to unleash a nuclear war. And I have a picture there of the Arctic region, and you can see the coastlines of Russia compared to that of the United States and Canada and Denmark. Russia's coastline, or Denmark's coastline, association with Greenland, I should say. Russia's coastline accounts for 53% of Arctic Ocean coastline, and the country's population in the region totals roughly 2 million million people. The Arctic is a vital source of economic stability for Russia. The Arctic accounts for more than 20% of its gross domestic product, along with approximately 75% of its oil and 95% of its natural gas reserves. The battle to dominate nuclear power will start and end in the Arctic. Nuclear power needs uranium, and Russia's Kazakhstan produces almost half of the world's raw uranium, while the U.S. produces a mere 8%. Not only that, but Russia excels in refining uranium with almost 40% of the total uranium conversion infrastructure in the world coming from Russia. The same goes for uranium enrichment, for which Russia is responsible for 46% of the world's total total. That's equal to all of OPEC to put together in terms of market share and power," said Paul Dabar, a visiting fellow at the Center on Global Energy Policy at Columbia University, referring to the oil dominance of the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries. According to the New York Times, Russia's megalithic nuclear power company Rosatom has proved uniquely successful as both a business enterprise and a vehicle for Russian political influence. Much of its ascendancy is due to what experts have labeled a one-stop nuclear shop that can provide countries with an all-inclusive package, materials, training, support, maintenance, disposal of nuclear waste, decommissioning, and perhaps most important, financing on favorable terms. The American nuclear power industry gets up to 20% of its enriched uranium from Russia, the maximum allowed by a recent non-proliferation treaty, according to the International Energy Agency. France imports 15% from Atom, which is owned by state-backed nuclear power operator Électricité de France or EDF, signed a cooperation agreement with Rosatom in December of 2021, two months before Russia's invasion invasion that is still in effect. Add to that, Russia's amassing of military might in the Arctic and testing of its newest weapons in a region freshly ice-free due to the climate emergency in a bid to secure its northern coast and open up shipping routes from Asia to Europe. Weapons experts and Western officials have expressed particular concern about one Russian superweapon, the Poseidon 2M39 torpedo. This unmanned stealth torpedo is powered by a nuclear reactor and intended by Russian designers to sneak past coastal defenses like those of the US on the seafloor. Christopher A. Ford, former Assistant Secretary of State for International Security and Nonproliferation, said the Poseidon is designed to inundate U.S. coastal cities with radioactive tsunamis. Russia's Arctic nuclear de- dominance must be broken, but how to do it? Start a war with Russia, and the, in in the poorest and most corrupt country in Europe, Ukraine, fund the war with billions upon billions of U.S. and European taxpayers' money, thereby bringing Russia to its needs and turning Europe's dependency from Russia to the United States. And I have a photo there uh, that shows the site of a proposed Rosatom nuclear power plant in Finland. It's no surprise that since Finland joined NATO, the project has been cancelled. The Czech Republic's energy company... Chez has signed contracts with Pennsylvania-based Westinghouse Electric Company, a rival of Ross Ross, Ross Atom and the French company Framatom to supply fuel assemblies for its plant in Temelin. But so far, the United States' efforts are peanuts compared to Russia. As long as Russia maintains dominance over the Arctic, the US will struggle to surpass it. How can the United States gain dominance over more Arctic land? Alaska represents a mere 1,060 miles of Arctic coastland. Even that land was purchased from the Russian Empire in 1867 for $7.2 million. In 2019, the press made fun of President Donald Trump's interest in buying Greenland, the world's largest island. Greenland wasn't for sale, but given the United States' desire to increase its Arctic coastline, Trump's desire to buy it was understandable. Greenland's riches have the possibility to severely cut into China's 90% dominance of global rare-earth extraction. China is wooing Greenland as well, while establishing firm relations with Russia. While the press convince convinces the public that governments care about cutting greenhouse emissions, mining companies have been pushing for rights to exploit rare earth deposits in Greenland, which is estimated to hold one quarter of the world's rare earth deposits that are essential for everything from technological devices to electronic vehicles to military weapons to wind turbines. Trump didn't succeed in buying Greenland, but in 2019, the two countries signed a memorandum of understanding to develop Greenland's energy and mining sectors, including rare earth minerals, hoping to break the U.S. dependency on China for rare earths. Behind the United States government's designs on exploiting Greenland are the guess who? the billionaires. A 2022 Vanity Fair article describes how Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and other masters of the universe are betting big on Greenland as mining in the Congo gets too dirty for even Elon Musk. Almost every lithium-ion rechargeable battery in the world has cobalt in it. And almost three-fourths of that cobalt is mined in appalling conditions in the Congo. Never in human history has there been so much suffering that generated so much profit that directly touched the lives of more people around the world, says Siddharth Kara, author of the book Cobalt Red. In 2019, a landmark legal case was launched against the world's largest tech companies, including Dell, Microsoft, and Tesla, by Congolese families who say their children were killed or maimed while mining for cobalt used to power smartphones, laptops, and electric cars, the Guardian revealed. In the court documents, the Congolese families described how their children were driven by extreme poverty to seek work in large mining sites where they claim they were paid as little as $2 a day. For backbreaking and dangerous work digging for cobalt rocks with primitive tools in dark underground tunnels. The families claimed that some of the children were killed in tunnel collapses while others were paralyzed or suffered life changing injuries from accidents. One of the central allegations in the lawsuit is that Apple, Google, Dell, Microsoft, and Tesla were aware and had specific knowledge that the cobalt they use in their products is linked to child labor performed in hazardous conditions and were complicit in the forced labor of the children. The lawsuit was dismissed and the billionaires turned their hungry quest to Greenland, claiming as always that they can save the planet while turning a profit. A company called Cobalt Metals has received backing from Andreessen Horowitz and Breakthrough Energy Ventures, a multi-billion dollar funding vehicle created by Microsoft founder Bill Gates and seeded by Bezos, Bloomberg, Ray Dalio, David Rubenstein, Jack Ma, Reid Hoffman, and Sir Richard Branson to search for rare earth minerals in Greenland. It's a mockery to claim that such a mining is part of a clean energy strategy. Cobalt mining produces radioactive emissions, cancer-causing particles, and particles which may cause vision problems, vomiting and nausea, heart problems, and thyroid damage. In addition, mineral mining produces pollution that leaches into neighboring rivers and water sources. Dust from pulverized rock is known to cause breathing problems for local communities as well. Charlie Angus, who wrote A History of Cobalt, had some unpleasant things to say about these billionaires and their do-good hypocrisy and popular mechanics. The image of the billionaires Gates, Bezos, and Bloomberg digging out the fragile and disappearing ice shields of the planet in order to gain more wealth is a perfect symbol for our dystopian times. Cobalt may play a role in the transition to a clean energy economy, but the exploitation of these resources have had serious environmental and human rights impacts. The name of their company literally means demon metals. I wonder if they are aware of the dark and troubling mythologies associated with the metal and the cobalt demons." The word cobalt comes from the German word cobalt, meaning goblin. These folklore, folklore figures live in the rocks deep underground and serve a dual purpose for miners, both warning them like Tommyknockers in the UK and the US and causing dangerous mischief. But nothing, not even the specter of demons, nor the threat of nuclear war, can deter these greedy billionaires and their sidekicks, the leaders of the world's most powerful nations from fighting over dominance of the Arctic. And guess what? On August 14th, it was reported that United States world spanning military that the that the United States world spanning military emits more greenhouse gases each year than most countries and that lawmakers want to make it harder to determine the ecological impact of weapons manufacturers. The defense policy bills that passed the House and Senate last month each include provisions that would block public reporting on greenhouse gas emissions by military contractors, according to a new open letter from more than two dozen activist groups and research organizations. Once again, while the propaganda arm of the United States and the MSM assures citizens that the government's first concern is climate change, the National Defense Authorization Act expands funding for the most polluting sector of our government yet again, and with Biden seeking $24 billion more in funding for the war in Ukraine. As I write this, just 18 minutes ago, an article came up, Belarus, Belarus's Lukashenko threatens use of nuclear weapons if faced with aggression. Belarus will respond to aggression with nuclear weapons, President Alexander Lukashenko warned in an interview with state-run media, as its NATO neighbors have deployed thousands of troops to their shared border amid growing tensions. As I mentioned earlier, Moscow transferred nuclear weapons from the Arctic to Belarus. The irony is that the push to shut down Russia's nuclear reactors has only succeeded in the buildup of nuclear weapons on Europe's doorstep. We didn't bring nuclear weapons here in order to scare someone, Lukashenko said. Yes, nuclear weapons represent a strong deterring factor, but these are tactical nuclear weapons, not strategic ones. This is why we will use them immediately once aggression is launched against us. The battle for dominance between East and West is on a course of escalation, with no signs of stopping. Russian Minister Alexei Chenkenkov, likened the U.S. and NATO's attacks on Russia to a disease in the human body which provokes an immune reaction and stressed that the Russian economy is going through this immune reaction with dignity. We haven't even stumbled. The pace of new investments has increased. While we had 248 investment projects in 2021, the number reached 260 in 2022. While over 50 new businesses were launched, some projects required changes, but companies were able to adjust. All in all, it made us stronger. It made us more self-sufficient. It gave the industry the push to build what what, what we've been building for 10 years. Nowhere has that push been more apparent than in the Arctic. Why would Russia ever give it up? According to RT, it is the source of nearly 90% of Russia's natural gas. It will soon be home to floating natural gas liquefaction plants that will be able to produce 7 million tons of LNG per year. The region is rich in oil, with the largest project, Ronsveld's. Vostok oil, expected to produce up to 100 million tons of crude annually by 2031-2032. Russia's first floating nuclear power station is also located in the Arctic. The Arctic and the Far East are a treasure trove. The Arctic is where the future economy of Russia is being built. What happens today in the Arctic will serve many generations of Russians, Chenkankov said. The Arctic is where the third, and surely the last, world war could well be played out, yet few are talking about it. The war in Ukraine has exacerbated tensions in the region, rendering government-to-government cooperation with Russia in the Arctic virtually impossible. As I'm about to end this essay, I see a new article, Ukraine brings war to Putin's door as powerful drone attack rocks central Moscow. The only way to end this war is for the U.S. to stop funding it that will not happen. The intent is to bring Russia to its knees and gain control over the Arctic. The ancient, warmongering, lizard kings in Washington don't care if this ignites World War III. They hate that they are old and their years of control are coming to an end. If they have to die without ever reaching the immortality promised to them by their overlords, an immortality that never materialized, because of course it is a lie, then the entire world must go down burning along with them. And that concludes this essay. Thank you so much for reading, for listening. I hope you made it through the whole thing and can uh, put together all of the facets of this important topic that I've included. God bless everyone. Please comment, share, subscribe. And have a beautiful day.